0: Um, great to be with you. Um, we are continu- continuing our series um, called the names of jesus and it 's been a chance for um, the speakers in the last couple of weeks to um, pick a name of Jesus um, that personally relates to them or their life and so I have done the same um, and before I get into the name, I, I just want to um, yeah kind of talk about like the the what I found really um, valuable in the last couple of months it 's um it's the it's the power of testimonies. Um, I used to hate people that got up and talked about their testimony. I was like, just get to Jesus. I don't want to know about you. I want to know about Jesus. But it dawned on me that the Bible is largely just a, a massive testimony about about God's great story, um, of, of redemption. And um, and and then I have been reading books about te- um, about a testimony. Um, does anyone know Jackie Pullinger? Um, yeah, she's an amazing woman. And uh, in the '60s, uh, at the age of 20, 21, about the age of some of you guys, she got on a boat and went to Hong Kong, and um and started sharing Jesus with people in the walled city of Kowloon, uh, in Hong Kong. Um, look up what the walled city of Kowloon looks like. Basically, it was this un uh, it was this yeah unpoliced um, town, a little town within Hong Kong um, that was run by um, gangsters and drug lords and was full of um, prostitution rings and opium houses and whatnot. And this 20-year-old woman from England goes, I'm going to go into the walled city and share Jesus with them in the only way I know how, by loving them and caring for them. And um, me as a conservative sceptic, often I I read her story and I go, wow, Jackie, like I've never seen these sort of things happen in my life. You know, um, you know, Getting up and praying in tongues, and then going out in the street, and um, and 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 crazy things start happening, and um, you know, yeah, uh, you know, drug lords coming to know Jesus, and and saying that um, if any of my followers, any of my um, my gangsters want to follow Jesus, they're free to go, that sort of thing, you know, Um, just crazy stuff, and um, yeah, so my my skeptical side goes, surely not, Jackie, this this sort of stuff can't happen. But then I go, A, it's, it's more consistent with what I see in the Bible in the way that, that Jesus went through the land and miracles happened. And B, um, who am I to knock her experiences? She's got nothing to gain from, from writing these things down, maybe a few dollars for a book, but I don't think that was her reason. I think it actually, the stuff actually happened and lives were changed. And so it, it challenges me and then it fills me with awe and wonder about how good God is. And so that's why we need testimonies, because um, we need to be reminded that the same God that was in the scriptures is the same God that keeps turning up today. He's the same God that continues to impact our lives and change our lives forever and, and, and reset our course. And so today, I'm going to tell you my story, and a few of you have heard my story, but a fair few of you have not heard my story. Um, and so the name I picked, um, it's actually three names, The Way, The Truth, and The Life, so I cheated. Um, but mainly the way and I want to tell you how this um, this name of Jesus, how Jesus being the way, the truth and the life um, has impacted me and, and, and really reset my course because there was a time in my life where I wasn't seeing Jesus as the way, I was seeing Jesus as an option and, um, and an option that I didn't want to take. And so I'll, I'll start with, with my story, yeah. Um, I think if I could summarise um, the type of person I was um, growing up, um, and sometimes still can be, is um, that I'm a people pleaser. Who else is a people pleaser? I am so obsessed and was so obsessed about what people thought of me that I would pretty much do anything to, to earn their um, acceptance, their approval. And that sounds okay. That sounds good. You know, like, you know, you, you care about what your parents think. And so, you know, you do the right thing. You care about what your teachers think, so you work hard at school. But I also cared about what my friends thought. I also cared about what girls thought. I cared a lot about what girls thought. Um, I cared about what everyone thought. And so it, it led me to sometimes being two, three, sometimes even seven different people in any given week um, in order to keep up appearances. Um, in addition to that, my dad was a church minister, so there's all that pressure that comes with that. Um so my other half of my life was um, was going to church on Sundays, youth group on Fridays, um, helping with the band and the, and stuff like that. And at 15, I got baptised. And honestly, if I think about it now, it was probably just to make my dad proud. Um, I knew Jesus. I knew what he did for me. But I consider myself a pretty good person, so why would a good person need a saviour? But regardless I got baptized at 15 I, I thought I thought I I knew what life was about and that if you followed Jesus life would be would be easy um, and so that was enough for me to get up in front of the stage and then tell everyone that I've given my life to Jesus and I got baptized but I was I was I was so wrong I had no idea um, what awaited me in life so for most of most of um, high school I um, Life went pretty well being a people pleaser. I was popular with friends. Um, I, was, I was popular with the teachers. Um, I was popular with my with my parents. I mean, it's hard to be unpopular with your parents, unconditional love and all that, but still, I was popular with my parents. Um, and I graduated high school. Um, I didn't quite get the marks that I wanted in, in uni. Um, I was uh, living in Sydney at the time and the only thing to do was go to uni. I didn't really think of any other option and no one else gave me another option. So. Um, I got the marks I needed to go to a place, uh, to a uni in Armidale, which was about six hours north. Um, And so I moved away at 17. And a lot of you guys did move away around 17 and 18 um, and are here now. Um, So I fully understand the struggles. um, And perhaps some of the things I talk about tonight um, is something that, you know, you feel you've been influenced by or continue to be influenced by. So I moved away at 17 and I moved into a, into a residential college on the uni campus. Um, being the good pastor's kid, the first thing I did was, um, was find a church. and I found a nice church up on, up on campus. Um, they were, it was a lovely church, lovely people, people I'm still friends with now. Um, and then at the same time, I was, I was quickly making friends with the people that um, were, you know, turning up on my floor and, um, and coming in from all parts of the country. And these people became, you know, my close friends and almost my family because being six hours away from home, um, you can't see your parents so much. So these be- guys became my family. But then O-Week happened. Does anyone know where it's going? <laughs> and I guess I was naive because I had zero expectations of what... Um, living at uni, away from home, with, with no parent supervision, um, what that might bring. Um, and someone who is a habitual people pleaser and habitual um, craver of, of acceptance would happen. Because in O-Week, I, I, it became apparent that, that, um, that this week and then subsequent weeks of uni um, was largely centred around drinking and partying and hooking up. And it became apparent to me that drinking and partying and hooking up was the way to earn acceptance from your peers, to to look cool, to um, to be invited to the exclusive drinking clubs. You know, uh, ten years now, I'm I'm thinking back and I go, why would I want to be in a drinking club? I can't even, you know, drink more than two now without feeling a bit sleepy. But that was the cool thing to do. And so to 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 drink and to party and to hook up with girls, you would get accepted. Um, by, by the cool people and then you might get invited into the clubs. And this started to affect me like really badly. And so um, even though, you know, I grew up in a Christian home, um, I think the, the weight of, of, the, of the peer pressure um, and it's more so the internalised pressure, like I don't blame anyone for what where I went and what I did. I only blame myself but there was a pressure inside me to want to be accepted. And so I began to do the same thing. I began to party. I, I, at the height of it, we were drinking three days a week and still trying to expect to, to go to uni and do your classwork. Um, and I managed to to do quite well in the first year. Well, not quite well, just enough. I remember one of my marks. I got 51 on a psych quiz. Just passed. It was multiple choice. Um, I was probably hungover. And this is not to glorify being drinking or anything like that. I, please hear my heart. I'm not here to glorify anything of what I did. But it was when it came to my second year that things started to, to go, go awry. It started to go rocky. Um, when you got to your second year, obviously there were first years. And so the first years were looking up to the second years and so more pressure was mounted in my head that I need to perform, I need to look cool, I need to drink more, I need to go harder to earn more acceptance and more approval. Furthermore, uh, within, within uni, there was a newsletter that would circulate around. And so if you had had a wild night, you'd get written up in it. If, you, if you're hooked up with a girl, you get written up with it. You know, these sort of things. And for some reason, I wanted to be on there. Because I just wanted to be noticed. I wanted to be accepted. I, I just wanted to be the cool, one of the cool people. I cared so much about what people thought of me. There was one thing that I held off of in my first year. And and this is something that, that I knew to be true, I knew to be right, and I knew, you know, that as a Christian, a Christian will marry a Christian. And, and a Christian will hold off on sex until marriage. And and that is the way it is, and and not quite understanding what that is, what that reason was why, I I decided not to in my first year. But, but when it came to my second year, it just got too much for me. I, I was lonely. I was sick of, of, of not getting the attention of the girls like everyone else did. And so the first girl that, that showed interest in me in my second year, um, I took that chance. And I slept with her. And it wasn't... What I expected, things had been built up in in, in my head. Things had been built up in, in society that sex is going to be the best thing that's ever happened to you, especially for men. That sex is going to be the best experience that's ever going to happen in your life. And and what it left me, after that moment, I, I felt I felt broken. I felt alone. I felt like I had compromised um, who I am. I had compromised, you know, what little bits I knew about God. I'd compromise my beliefs all for this cheap thrill. Things started to go worse. If you think they didn't go worse, they started to go worse um, because of uh, the intensity of, of which I was um, I was um, partying. I started to fall behind on school. Some some weeks I wouldn't I wouldn't go to class. Um, I would be handing in assignments late. Sometimes I wouldn't even hand them in. You know, always trying to thinking thinking that you know. The next assignment I'll do well or the final year um, or the final, you know, test I'll do well and that, that'll be enough to, to get me over. But then I started failing. I started failing and, and I just couldn't take it and I couldn't, I couldn't turn up to class because I started feeling guilty and I started feeling, you know, ashamed. And so by the end of my second year, I, I failed seven of eight subjects. <laughs> Having never really failed anything in my life, I had failed seven out of eight subjects. Another thing that started happening was that I started getting into a bit of financial issues. And it was totally because of, of, of my selfishness. I wanted to uh, keep up my, my lifestyle. I wanted to keep up my appearances. I was, I was you know, trying to wrestle with the fact that I was failing uni. And so I was using the money that, that I was given from, from my parents and and from the government that was supposed to be used for rent. I started using it to keep up my lifestyle. And by the end of the year... I was in $13,000 in debt to the college. So, and just to add something else, I, I, I lost my license that year as well. So uh, knowing that, my I, know, I knew that my dad would have to pick me up at the end of the year. So, so the, there was this pressure mounting. What am I going to tell my dad? What am I going to tell him about what, how, how school's been going this year? Um, my pastor for a dad, you know. How can I break it to him that that, that that your son has stuffed up? Well, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. I, I, I came up with a plan to um to 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 secretly um make all the money back. Um, to I was going to get a job with my friends out in the country in the grain fields, and I was going to earn lots of money and secretly, you know, um, pay it all back. I was going to tell my dad that uh, we um, that I'm thinking of changing degrees. Um, that it didn't work out for me and, and that I, I think I, I want to be a teacher. Um, so I'm just going to change degree, So I won't have to worry about that. Um, but I wasn't anticipating that the, the, the uni would email my dad. <laughs> and so um, just as I was about to tell my dad everything as we were about to drive home, he's like, oh, well, I've got something um, that you need to know. Um, the uni has, has let us know um, everything. Everything. And so that was probably the lowest part of my life. And and what I put it down to, um, and how this relates to, to what we're going to talk about next, that that Jesus is the way, is that in life, whether you are destructive like me or or whether you 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 know you're not, we still all have the have the choice of whether to go Jesus' way or whether to go your own way. And you've got to trust Jesus, that His way is 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 good and it's life giving and it and it's and it's going to give you purpose. But it's tough. It's tough to trust Him sometimes. And I I I I growing up knowing knowing verses like this that I am the way, the truth, and the life. Um, given the choice for myself, I I I wanted to go my way. I wanted to I wanted to take um you know the, the pleasures of this world for myself I wanted to experience them now not really understanding the father's heart of why he would he would say such a thing as to 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 you know stay sober minded why to, to to hold off until marriage why why do all these things it was my own selfishness and, and my own me wanting to go my own way which brought about my destruction and so if you've got your Bibles um I'm going to read from John chapter 14, verses 1 to 7. And this is where we're going to um, kind of unpackage the verse, and I'm going to kind of talk about my reflection about, about how, how I see this has played out in my life. It says from verse 1, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, and also trust in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's house. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me and where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you know him and have seen him. So at the beginning of this passage is the word trust. Jesus is telling his disciples to trust in him and to also trust in God. Because in essence, we are the same people. That's what he's saying. And this is not a new thing. It's actually the oldest thing in the book. It's, it's, the first, it's on the first page of the Bible. It goes back to, the, to Genesis. In Genesis, we've got God asking Adam and Eve to trust him. He goes, I have this garden for you, and it's beautiful, and I almost I even made it for you, and, and you're here to take care of it, and I'm going to be with you, taking care of it with you. It's going to be a partnership. It's going to be awesome and we're going to have this close friendship and relationship where we can walk in the garden together. You're going to know your creator. You're going to know who created you and that's going to give you purpose and life and meaning. But there's just one thing I ask of you. You don't need to know all the details. Just don't touch that tree. Don't eat from that fruit. Just trust me. Trust me, it's only for your benefit. I know What is life? I know what is going to be good for you. I know what is going to going to help you thrive. I know what is going to give you purpose. I know what is going to give you meaning. Just trust me. And we know what happened. They didn't. And this is just a a character or or a small example of of every every one of us, (laughs) essentially. But it's the same thing that 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 Jesus is asking his disciples in the context. Just trust me. Trust where I'm going. I'm going to the Father. I'm going to prepare a place for you and he's talking about heaven here and you just need to trust me that, that, that everything is going to be okay and that I know the way to the Father, I know the way to, to your creator and that is going to give you purpose and that is going to give you meaning and that is going to give you fulfilment. And so the same thing is, 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 is being asked of us today. It's the same thing that, that, that he asks of us when, when, when we encounter Jesus All he's asking is us to trust him. You don't need to know all the details. You don't need to know every little bit bit and piece of um, information, every doctrine, every theology about the things that I've set up in this world. But you just need to trust me that I have a good way, that I have a good life, that I have a purpose for you, that it's going to give you meaning, that it's going to give you fulfillment. Just trust me. I think purpose in this lifetime is is, is a big thing for all of us. What is my purpose? What is your purpose? Why did God create us? Why is the earth even existing the way it does? Why did God create us? Why did God create humans? What is the point? What is the point of life? And I think if we miss why we're created and what our purpose is, you're going to do what I did maybe not in the same manner but you're going to do do a similar thing you're going to try and find meaning and purpose and fulfillment in anything else that's going to op, try and offer it to you if i make lots of money and i can buy a nice house i'll be comfortable if i get that dream job and 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 that takes me you know on this great adventure you know none of these things are bad but if we put our weight uh, we put our soul into that. We put everything into that. We put our hope into that. These things are inevitably, they're not going to measure up and, and they may or probably will let you down at one point because you're not finding the full purpose of why we've been created. You're not understanding the full purpose of, of, of who we are, whose image we're made in. But Jesus is saying that he is the way, that he is the truth and he is the life. He's the way to the Father, he's the way to our creator. And when we when we when we recognize that Jesus is the way to our creator and that he is our Father, that's where we're going to find purpose and meaning. But rather than tell you exactly what that is right now, <laughs> I'll save it. For me at my, my lowest part of my life so when I when I left um, left Armadale I had to leave Armadale um, my girlfriend broke up with me obviously because I was a bit of a dropkick. Um, and we we moved to Canberra my family and I we all moved to Canberra and and yeah I was I was pretty ashamed and I was pretty broken um, my life was in ruin like and, and every ounce of who I used to be, this happy, funny person that enjoyed being with people, it was all shattered. I, I couldn't, I couldn't get out of the house. I was a mess. But my parents just encouraged me to, to just, just find yourself some friends, find, find a community, um, you know, sport, whatever. Um, I decided to, to find a church community. Um, not really knowing what I would expect, and that church community is this community, and it's, it's not, not to say that Divergent Church is the best in the world, and that, you know, it's at Divergent Church that you'll find purpose, meaning, and fulfillment. Um, but I started coming to, to this gathering, um, and Josh was the, the, the primary preacher at the time. He's now over in Turkey. And to be honest, I don't really remember any of his sermons. I mean, he, he does talk a lot, but that wasn't the point. It was such, such a long time ago. But I do remember what the community stood for and what, what impacted me and what, what began to um, yeah, heighten my senses, what, what, I, what I began to see, what I began to feel, um, what they presented. I remember continually being told that, that God loves broken people because he can rebuild them, that he loves people that feel like they are beyond saving, because that is who Jesus died for, that if you put your trust in Jesus, you will be saved and he will give you a new life, a life of purpose, a life of meaning, a life of fulfillment. I didn't quite understand what exactly that meant, I was still grappling with what does that even mean to have a to have a purpose and a meaning in life but for the first time in my life I understood that I was a sinner and that I needed saving which is completely different to what I felt growing up that I didn't need saving because I was a good person but my own destruction and my own selfishness led me to realize that that my way of living was no way of living at all it, it, it almost literally brought about death. <laughs> what other things did I, did, I, did I learn from being in community? In a community, it, obviously the community was centred on Christ. That, that it promoted me to actually not care about what people thought. About my life, about my past life, about even about worshiping God and the manner in which I worship God. It was so freeing to go for for Josh, you know, to say on stage, don't care about what people think about you. It's just you and the Father right now, it's just you and Jesus right now. Just worship Him. But here's the thing about Jesus' claim to be the, the, the way, the truth, and the life. That it's, in essence, it's exclusive. And it's all-inclusive. It's not a part claim where you can take the best bits of Jesus and disregard the rest. It's all or nothing. Jesus said he is the way to the Father, and so to fully understand the Father's heart for your own life and what your purpose is in this world, it is found in Jesus' example. It's, it's found in the way that he, he lived. It's, it's, it's found in the way that, that he, he healed people. It's found in the way that he delivered people. It's also found in the way that he gave up his life and died for people. And if Jesus is truly the embodiment, embodiment of God and, and, and the realest thing that, that humans have ever had to, to knowing God the Father, as he has claimed in, in, in John chapter 14 then the Father's heart is that he loves his humans so much that he would die on a cross as an example. And that his heart for his humanity, for you and me, is that we would be saved. And all he asks is that you trust him. All he asks is that you follow him. Not with just a part of your life, not with just a little bit of your life, but with all of it, every last bit of it where you want to be in five years' time, what work you want to go to, your friends, your family, your girlfriend. Everything needs to be centred around Christ now. And it's in that that you will find life and purpose. And it's going to lead you on a path that can be quite scary. But man, it is so fulfilling when you you understand that, that God came to save you. And he's not just saving those who, 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 who turn up at church. And this is where I want to end it because... To love and care. This is Jesus. To love and care for the, for the outcasts, for the healings, the deliverances and the miracles that he did throughout his life. It all pointed to a greater truth. And this is a bit of a repeat, but I think it, it was pretty good when I wrote it down. He came to save the world from darkness and offer eternity with the Father. And so I must conclude that our purpose, our fulfilment in life, is found in the same thing as well. That it's found when we partner with Christ to complete his mission. His mission of salvation to the nations. When we get that, when we, when we get that, that that is true purpose, that is true fulfilment, that is true life, when we get to partner with him, when, when, when Jesus died for us and he goes, now you're with me in this and, and, and we're, we're, we're on a mission to save every single one of us because God loves every single one of us. You know, this is a Pentecostal church. And we as Pentecostals, we love spiritual gifts, and that's fine. And I'm a, I'm a believer in them, don't, don't, don't mishear me. But, you know, what is it all for? If we're, if we're hanging out at church amongst Christians all day with our spiritual gifts and prophesying over each other, and, and if, it's, if it's not going out into the world... If people aren't being saved, we can't, as a church, just stay up in this loft all day. And, and, and you know, community is great and community is healing, community is loving and, and, and there is a purpose and it will never go away. But it's from that strength that we then go out. It's from that strength that we then think about our friends and our family and our uni classmates and our workmates who don't know Jesus yet. And we listen to his spirit. We listen to what is, is bearing inside of us because we know what it means to, to, to be one with Christ now. And, and, and we look at our friends and, and, and we look at people like, like Ryan from when he was 19 and 20 and he's, and he's living his life drinking and partying, thinking that that's going to give him fulfilment. And your heart breaks because God's heart breaks because you know that that's not going to give you life, that's not going to give you fulfilment, that's not going to give you purpose. So what what has life been like for me the last eight years since I I made that decision to trust trust God with my life and give up essentially my own uh, right (laughs) to my life? I signed over my right and I said, Jesus, in a sense, take the wheel. There's been a lot of great things that have happened. I mean, for one, I met my wife, um, a, a lovely Christian woman that had probably only been a Christian for less than a year, um, and the first thing that happened when I, that I remember when I began to trust in God, God convicted me to tell Nicole of everything that I'd ever done. And that was scary, but God was saying, trust me. <laughs> it's going to be okay, for better or worse. I mean, if Nicole breaks up with me, then maybe it was, you know, for the best, <laughs> but just trust me. And, 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 you know, Nicole's still there and we've been married three years. And, and so that's just one of the great things when you trust in God. Um, you know, to find, to find a girl that embodies the Father's heart and is willing to forgive me, even though it must have been really hard for her to know that I'd slept with other women. That's just one of the things, you know. I think slowly as, as, as I began in community, yeah, I, I started to gain a heart for other people. My selfishness was, was ridden away and my heart for other people started to grow. And that, that often um, can be painful because love is not always reciprocal. But Jesus knew that. You know, for, for two and a half years, Nicole and I gather, uh, were the gathering leaders of, of you guys. And, and that was um, stressful at times and scary at times. Um, but that was just another one of those things where, where God's like, do you trust me? Do you trust me that this is going to be good for you? That this is going to stretch you? That this is going to help your marriage? This is gonna help your relationship with God, that it's gonna reveal more of my heart to you. And so it's it's a journey. It's a journey for all of us. And 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 I hope you guys have, you know, taken bits and pieces out of this to to, to understand what 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 Jesus has done for me when I um, gave over my life to him. And and really the the trap that we can fall into if we think we know better. Why do we think we know better if we didn't create the world, if we didn't create you and me? That was one of the big things that dawned on me, that God didn't set up these guardrails to, to, to be a killjoy. He didn't set up laws and rules so that we wouldn't have fun to make us feel bitter. He, he gave us rules because he, knew, he knows us so well, he knows our heart so well, and he knows what, what we are capable of when we're left up to our own, our own devices. And that was a big revelation for me, that, that actually the things that I, I read in the Bible that feel like laws, they're for our own good. And they're actually going to give us life and purpose and meaning. It's going it's to show us what God's heart is for you and I and, and, and for the next 60 to 70 years, what our purpose and fulfillment, something that's never going to unfulfill us to partner with Christ, to, to share our testimony, his testimony with others. I don't. I think, you know, when I, when I think about probably God's greatest joy is when people come to know him and, and come home. And so I, I have to conclude that our greatest joy and our greatest fulfilment is when we get to partner with him and see that happen as well. That's never going to get old. And so, you know, I want this community, um, and, and I know you guys want it too. We want this community to be outward focused. We want this community to be to always looking out, not just caring for ourselves. Because we all know Jesus. <laughs> and it's great that we get to talk about Jesus and continue to, 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 to bolster our faith. But there's people out there that don't know Jesus. And so we're in a place of strength where we need to go out and share with him. Jesus is not with us anymore in a sense that he's not here physically, so, so we've, got to, we've got to carry the load in that sense. But the great thing is that he's left us his spirit and he's talking to us every day and he's helping us and he's giving us power. Cool. <laughs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for, um, yeah, for all the great things you've done in all of our lives. Thank you, Lord for the testimonies the deliverances the healings the times where you've prompted us to to show compassion to people this is our our blessed assurance that you are with us and that you continue to be with us and lord we want to we want to know you we want to know you so much that it that that when we wake up in the morning we just instantly know what What our purpose is each and every day. That when we go into our workplace, we know that there are people that 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 need your love. And we know that we're the image bearers in that. Lord, we want this community to be outward focused. We want this community to be to be looking for those who need Jesus, looking for those who are struggling, looking for those who are broken. Because Lord, that is your heart. And Lord, we we just we just it's just not enough that we can come to church every day, sing some songs and go home. That's not your heart. Your heart is salvation, your heart is people being saved. And so, Lord, help us to trust in you. Help us to give everything over to you, whether, whether we it's easy or not. Just help us to take that one step and trust. I know, Lord, that when we do, we will find the purpose and meaning and fulfilment we've been looking for. In Jesus' name, amen.